Broadcasting live from Global Headquarters and RP Enterprises in Greenwood, Missouri. Stand by on this frequency. After 22 years of entertaining FM radio listeners across the U.S., across the U.S., this man is the owner and executive producer of the award-winning Heartland Waterfowl on Sportsman's Channel, CEO and founder of Dumar Chemical Solutions, and the man behind the mic of Papa Ron Radio Voiceovers and Production. He's the man, the myth. The legend, a global icon, future Nobel Prize winner, and of course he paid me to say all this. Really? Literally. Welcome to the Papa Ron Podcast. Here's your host, Ronnie Phillips. Ronnie Phillips. All right, it's good to be back. About two weeks off from doing the Papa Ron Podcast. It's episode 17. And so grateful to have everybody back listening or watching. Of course, you can watch this podcast on the Papa Ron Podcast YouTube channel. You can also check it out on Spotify and also audio versions available on Apple, Amazon, Google, and CastBox. Real excited about today's show because today's guest is someone who I met through our wives. Uh, they were friends growing up through the years, and um, just so happened that once he and I became friends, got to have some good dialogue, good conversation, and found out we actually had a lot of things in common. I'd like to welcome to episode 17 of the Papa Ron Podcast, my friend Kyle Spencer of, let me say that again, Kyle Spencer of Dell's Power Sports in Grain Valley. How are you, man? Good, Ronnie. Thanks, thanks for having me on the show, man. Uh, I'm excited to have you here, and I'm so proud of you. You know, we've been... Uh, I don't know. We've, we've grown closer, I would say, over the last uh, two years or so. Um, and at about, it was right about that time, I think, that you and I got to know each other on a greater scale due to the uh, partnership that Heartland Waterfowl has with Honda Power Sports. Correct. They've yeah. been a sponsor of ours for nearly nine of the 10 years that we've been in production. And it was about the time that you had bought Dell's Power Sports, then that Honda Corporate was working with you to work with us. And then from there, this thing is, is really kind of flourished. And so we got our Honda unit from Dell's power sports. And then yep. you guys tricked it out with all the lights and all the other cool accessories, the winch and so much more. Uh, and then from there, just through you know conversation, I kind of got to see, you know, this guy's got this drive. He's got this motivation just not to have a business or own a business, but how can he scale it to its premium optimization? And um, I've always just, I guess, looked up to you for that. You Thanks, know? And, Ronnie. That means a lot, man, yeah. especially coming from you. Well, <laughs> I, it's just the truth. I, I'm really proud of what you've been able to do. Not only did you buy Dell's Power Sports probably two or three years ago, mm-hmm. you, then you moved it from the location that it had been for decades, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And got a brand new facility in Grain Valley. And then that has led to other things to another building across the street, which and is we're still going. Yeah. Yeah. got more things on the way. Maybe you can make some announcements. And then uh, you and I were able to partner um, and we're going to get into this a little bit later in the show, but you and I were able to partner with uh, you know, one of my other business ventures called Dumar Solutions um, to where we have come out with a really, really cool product. For that, sure. That it's gonna... exciting for not just us, but the whole industry that I'm in. Yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit, but um I, I, I guess I want, it's fascinating for me to have conversation with people who are entrepreneurial minded. 
and and kind of get an idea of where did they draw their motivation, where their inspiration, where where what gave them the bug. You know, some people did paper routes when they were in school, or maybe they, you know, just wanted to do some sort of little side hustle when they were kids or in high school, and that's where they got their bug, or they had some sort of mentor or leadership that led them along the way. I'd kind of like to get back into your past. Where are you from? And what, what was it that kind of got you down the road to wanting to own your own business? Well, um, I guess the... Let's start with where you're from. The best place to start would probably be, I was uh, born in a city called Cape Girardeau, Missouri, down in the boot hill. Sure. Of the... Southeast uh, Missouri. You got it. About five and a half, six hour drive, you know, <laughs> way down there in the corner. Nobody really knows about it. It's kind of tucked away. Yeah. Um, but I was born there. I lived my first two years of my life there. Um, my father, my father actually ended up going to prison when I was two. Oh, see, I didn't know this. Okay, So I, my mom packed us up. We moved north to be closer to family. And uh, my grandfather would watch me on the weekends and whatnot. We did that till I was about six years old. And then my mother was remarried to a gentleman. And um, I had that stepfather in my life. And he honestly wasn't the most pleasant person to be around, but it was who my mom chose. Okay. So. We, when you say unpleasant, do you, was it, were you beaten or was he just uh, not loving, not he, loving and affectionate he, or what was it? He, it wasn't, it, there was abuse, sure, but not. Not at the level, you know what's funny is I'm making excuses for it. There absolutely was abuse there. But it was, for whatever reason, we tolerated it at that time in our life. Okay. So maybe Physical that, and mental? Physical and mental. It was a lot of ear pulling, stuff like that. Okay. Just nothing like giving me black eyes. It wasn't anything like that. Just wanting you but to I know can, who authority was. Well, exactly. And we, uh, we never saw eye to eye. I, I can think of two situations of growing up where I actually laid him out physically and had an ambulance come get him. Oh, wow. Not because I wanted to. It was just no, def- you're defending defense, yourself. Purely defense. But yeah. that, that, was, that was my childhood up until probably 12 years old when I really started making those moves and he started backing away. Okay. So okay. that was, that was the, the childhood. And then we, um, we got into, well, I, I continuously looked at my parents' situation. I knew where my dad was. Mm-hmm. I knew where my mom was. I knew what my stepdad were doing. And um, their lifestyle wasn't, in my opinion, satisfactory. It was... Uh, was it complacency or were they involved in illegal stuff, like drugs was, or something? No, it was never. It was, it was more complacency than anything. Okay. It was more punching the clock. It was more the grind. It was, you know, they'd get off. My stepdad would get off work and go straight to bed. He'd wake up and go straight back to work. Just the, the, the lifestyle just yeah. didn't seem like it was the right way. Wow. And you were able to see that at 12? 12, 13-ish, yeah. Okay. So was I, there anybody else in your circle where you were like friends and their families when you'd go over to their house and you would see a different way of life and you said, that's what I want to do, not you know what, what I'm living it, in? It wasn't until high school that I really saw that. Okay. And it was probably early in high school, but I started to open up my friends network and I could see... You know, I'm sure you've read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh yeah, for sure. And so I was looking at different families and different. You were reading that at third or high school? I was reading that in high school. Wow. Yep. Wow. Sure was. Well, and I, I actually I didn't read that up. until my mid thirties. Well, I was picking up books like that from 13 years old on. That's incredible. So why I had I had the drive. I yeah. had the initiative that I didn't like my current situation. I didn't want to end up in the same position as my current situation. Wow. And the only way to do that would be to figure out how to get out of it. Yeah. 
So that's what we did. We did a lot of lot of self education. Yeah, a lot of screw ups. A lot of lot of things. Um, but growing up, back to when I was. 13, 14, and seeing my peers and seeing what their fathers were doing, I realized a lot of them that were doing well were self-employed or had their own businesses. So I knew that was probably the direction I needed to travel down. Okay. So um, did you have any kind of jobs in high school? Like when you were going through that and you were being self-taught and reading about entrepreneurship and and just personal development, really, did it drive you at an early age to start kind of doing whether even if it was on the smallest scale, was there anything that you were doing back then? No, not 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 so much for me. I mean, literally, I read those books and about probably when I was going through puberty and everything, you really start looking up at the females. Right. So that's where yeah. my attention went for <laughs> probably a solid five to 10 years. Yeah. Were you into sports? Not so much either. Okay. Once again, my my. My father being where he was and my stepdad wasn't in any of that stuff. So I yeah. didn't really have anybody showing me a that mentor. it's an outlet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was just kind of basically feeling my way out in the world. Okay. Um, and doing so, which was fine by me. I, I had a lot of other experiences, which made up for those shortfalls. Yeah. But um, in doing so, I did hold my first job for a decade. I started when I was 14 years old. My sister got me the gig. It was at a body shop at Blue Springs. And I worked there for 10 years, and they, they put up with everything you could an employee could possibly throw at an employer, <laughs> and they did it with grace. So I'm very thankful wow. to actually, it's Car Star and Blue Spring, shout out to those guys, because they wow. did tolerate a misfit, for sure, for sure. So when you say a misfit, like, I'm a little confused, because you talked about having, reading these books, and kind of being on the right track of going away from yep. what you were, but you had some personal issues then as a misfit? Well, I didn't have any real structure or guidelines. Gotcha. There was never any, uh, this is the way you should behave. This is how you should handle yourself. So I continuously to Rebelled. this day, but even then I was pushing the envelopes way more than I ever should have. What did that look like? <sighs> like just not showing up to work on time, no, something I, like that? Or? I, I would show up, but it was a lot of late nights. It was a lot of partying, a lot of partying, a lot okay. of real world experience. I got the gift of gab from bars, the bar scene, but I started going to bars when I was 17 years old. Wow. It was, it was just the way it was then. It, okay. times, times have changed since sure. then yeah, dramatically, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's, that's literally where, where it started, the communication levels and everything that came with that. And well, then you're I was, communicating with adults. Yeah, exactly. And you're still a kid. Six nights a week. I take Sundays off, but six nights a week. I was at somewhere, someplace doing something. And this was for years. This wasn't just a a phase. This was my lifestyle for probably five years straight. Okay. I mean, it was pretty, pretty heavy. And so being that you were kind of in the the nightlife party scene at the age that you were and trying to hold down a job at CarStar, then... You were probably showing up hungover. You got it. And you got a sunglasses on. My, I'll never forget. I had a t-shirt that said sober and I was always <laughs> far from it. I had a girlfriend in Mizzou, so I would drive out there and I would drive home on Monday mornings oh, wow. one eye in it. I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a very responsible time in my gotcha. life for gotcha. sure. <laughs> Why do you think that they were so uh, gracious with you? I mean, did they know your family? Did they know your situation? They they did within reason. I mean, they, they I like I said, my first job, I was 10 years. They, they kept me for 10 years. So they knew a lot about me, and I had relationships with most of them. It was a small company, so mm-hmm. they looked out for me. They cared about my well-being. Right. Um, honestly, the, a lot of those people probably saved me from myself, and I didn't even think about it at the time. But Was there a few come-to-Jesus talks? 
it was your, I, I got pulled over when I was 14 years old. I had stolen my mom's car. Oh, wow. And, uh, I mean, she was working nights. It was, she went to bed and I hopped in it. And once again, I didn't have green. You didn't steal it. You weren't running away from right, home. You right, just no, took it without I was permission. was riding is what yes, I was doing. Yeah, I got you. And I got pulled over by an officer. And what he told me was, he goes, you're playing fastball without a glove, son. Mm. And I'm like, and that's, that's kind of rain with me. So I did my, my six weeks of community service after that. And kind of kept that but it never stopped me from pushing the envelope what did still do it to this day (laughs) well maybe a little bit more responsibly absolutely okay so when was the aha moment (sighs) when i met my wife and and how did you uh, and so his wife's name is megan who is good friends with my wife and my wife's sister and that's how he and i met and so how did you and megan meet megan actually was a customer at the body shop Okay. She had this brand new Pontiac G6. Okay. And I'll never forget it. She she had, within 6,000 miles of buying this car, she had three major accidents. <laughs> All, no. two of them were airbag deploying Oh, accidents. so like that kind of serious. Like, oh, like, like slamming into the back of cars. Ee. So she kept coming to see me. In 6,000 miles, I think we've all put some mileage on that six months worth of driving. So she yeah. came to see me three times in that six months. And that third time, we finally decided that we should maybe... Go hang out. Go hang out, exactly. Yeah. And, and we you're had some what, mutual friends. Then? I was 21. Okay. 21 she, years old. Was there a, any age difference between you two? She's, she's two years younger than me. Okay. So she was 19 at the time. And anyways, we started hanging out, doing our thing, and I was still living my life, still partying, doing all those things, and she tolerated that for quite some time before she finally just said, hey, enough is enough. How long? I was probably 25, 26. Like three, four years, huh? Yeah, yeah. Or you said 21, so now, maybe... Now I, I had slowed down. Obviously, okay. I was interested in her. I wasn't yeah. out doing the same thing as I was, but my behavior was still erratic and, yeah. you know, doing what we do. Um, but she, she, my credit was a mess. I mean, I literally had destroyed everything personally that I could. Wow. And, uh, she, she gave me a reason to kind of look down the road and not so, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's think about the next five years, 10 years. Right. And, uh, she's literally hung by my side every day since then. She's a damn good woman. Very, very good. She's awesome. I love Megan. Great, great care of me. Let's back up just a little bit. So in the time that you and Megan were dating and you said, what was it? 25, 26. Then Mm -hmm. when she was basically threatening to leave you, if you didn't get your (laughs) stuff together, um, were you still working at Carstar then? Nope. Okay. So, so let's part, let's now move. When, when did Carstar come to an end and what was the next venture after that? So I quit, I started Carstar when I was 14 years old. I quit at 24 years old. Wow. And the reason I quit Carstar is that I had looked at what people were being paid and the person that I was the second highest paid person there and the person I paid very just a little bit more than me had been there 20 years. Mm. So I'm like, well, this just this doesn't seem to be adding. You felt up like you hit your ceiling. I did hit a ceiling. So at 24, I hit that ceiling. So then I actually had an opportunity to uh, join a small company appraising automobile damage. OK, so I did that for another seven. So years. like an insurance adjuster, insurance adjuster. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I had basically been in the collision repair industry and now I was documenting the damage. So went to that, did that for another seven years. What was the, was there any significant difference in your income from, from making that transition? Yeah. Yeah. I jumped it. I doubled it. Okay. I doubled my income from that transition and uh, did that for 
six, seven years, and I actually decided to go another route because once again, I was, I felt like I was hitting my ceiling mm-hmm. and I took a, another position as a property adjuster. Okay. And I ended up tripling my income making that decision. Wow. So I ran as hard as I could doing that for about seven, eight years. Was the past experience of being an a adjuster in the auto side allow you to have the experience then to do to move on to the next level? So yeah, absolutely. It was a level up process, and and what had happened is I had learned so much in the automotive side of it that my efficiencies were just through the roof. Yeah, I could do things quicker, therefore I could do more, more, of more volume. And when you yeah. can do more volume, more business, you more push money, more pay. Yeah, absolutely, That's exactly right. So. I took that philosophy and I went into this next industry, which it's the same industry, just different, different situations. Sure. And I was able to swell that quickly. So, like, like break, the, break the norm. Yeah, the norm yeah, yeah. was X, Y, Z, and I was double that. So that's where you tripled it? Or that's is where it, I tripled my income. Okay, fantastic. And so then, so you're a property adjuster. Property adjuster. And yep. you did that for how long? Seven years. Seven years. Mm-hmm. So... Um, 8,000 rooftops. Wow. I had a client, 8,000 rooftops. <laughs> was that just local or were you traveling all over that? the country, Canada, Mexico? So it seems like I remember a story and this was before I got to know you and Megan for that matter, all that well. But I remember being at a family dinner, um, with my wife's family and they had brought up that Megan and Kyle were going to get an RV or a mobile <laughs> home or something and they were basically going to travel the country to do insurance adjustments. Correct. Yep. Is, is that so? Tell me that story and where you, how you got to basically sell your property and sell all the contents within to go basically live in an it's, RV. It's kind of nutty. So I'll I'll start. I'll, I'll but tell I, but it quick, it's nutty. But, but it didn't it kind of what led you to have the capital to be where you're at today. Hundred percent. Okay, so let's 100%. hear the story. Well, it all started. I was uh, I was property or I was car adjusting, and a good friend of mine lifelong friend, Sean Rogers is his name, but he called me up and he goes, Kyle, I met this guy. And he says, you can make X, Y, Z a day doing this. And it intrigued me. And it was a thousand bucks. What was the deal? He told me you can make a thousand bucks a day. And I thought to myself, there's just no way, you know, I'm crushing it right now and I'm making 500 bucks a day. Yeah. So I did some research. I had to do some schooling. I had to invest about 15,000 bucks into my self-improvement and education and tools. Was that going to college or was it just? No, this was just to get my adjustment license in the state of Texas. So I had to go down there, go to a two week class. Okay. Not, not a huge deal, but it was, it was, uh, it was a risk. So you invested 15 grand for the schooling. How much time did you have to invest to get educated to do, to do the test? So probably it, it, honestly, it wasn't that intense. It was more like, uh, I'm trying to think of what a good expert. If you were taking like a life insurance exam or anything like that, mm-hmm. not like a physical exam, but to get your, yeah, basically tell any them. professional license, yeah, yeah. there's X, Y, Z things you have to go through. Mm-hmm. This was like a 40 hour course that if you're smart, you can get it done obviously way faster. And I would imagine that because it's still in the insurance realm and you having been in that space and everything else that you've done, I was familiar. Yeah. I was familiar. So it was just, I wasn't used to construction. I was used to automobiles, bolts, nuts, fenders, you know, washers, stuff like that. Nothing to do with framing and and roofs and air conditioning systems. Right. So I had to learn all that. That was the hard part. Um, but in doing so, I, I came home from that schooling and I sat at home for another four months and it, 
that kind of business isn't something where you just go apply and get a job and you go to work. Okay. So what happened is, is I went that, that many months. We had a massive event. It was a, uh, it was Hurricane Irene. Yeah. Up in the Northeast. Yeah. And they called me on August 9th and said that I needed to be in Indianapolis on August 11th. So that was 2011 that I that I did that I packed up my little car, I had a little Scion XD back then, <laughs> shoved the ladder in the back, and off we went. Went up to Indianapolis by yourself or did by make, myself? Okay. Left the whole family behind. I had a one year old at home. Knox was just just born a year before. Wow. So it was just a new adventure. But was I, ma- so two questions: What were you doing during those four months? Let's get that one first, and then the second question is. Um, was Megan on board with all this, or was she a little? <laughs> okay, well let's let's step back a little bit further then. Real quick. Okay, Megan had a job, and she was working as as a property manager. Okay, and she had a large hundred and twenty unit complex. Uh-huh. We had just had our first son, and she was working there another six months, and she was just not. It just didn't feel right. She was stressed out. She wanted to be with her boy. Yeah, I understood, and I let her quit. And so over the next four months. Or to get back to you, it was actually about six months because when she quit, it's when we decided that we needed to do something different. That this wasn't going to work underneath our current program. Yeah, and that's when I brought her that opportunity. She actually went to school with me, believe it or not. Oh wow! She jumped on board and okay. drove down to Texas with me. So she's been my ride or die this whole time. That's incredible. It is. It is. So she hopped in the car. She went down there, which was great because networking. That woman's got it. Oh, she's just like you. And she's that. I mean, never she's got met a definitely, stranger. Yeah, yeah. She's got the gift for gab, for she sure. Does, for she sure. might have got that gift in a different way from hanging out in the bar <laughs> at 17 years of age. Exactly. Exactly. But Her, no, she's very personable. Very much so. Very much so. So she did that. We came back and we both kind of, you know, I was still working my day job. I was still running claims doing auto adjusting. Oh, you were? Okay. I was. So it wasn't like that was out of the way. I actually, I actually owned part of that company. I had an equity stake in that company. So that's why I had some leniencies. Okay. So definitely had some flexibility. I did. I did. So after that four months went by and I went to um, Indianapolis, Indianapolis, and then on to New Jersey from there, I'll never forget it. I, I, I worked my first month. I had made 24,000 bucks. I never made 24,000 bucks a month in my life. I thought, oh my God, I'm here. This is the cat's meow. Yeah. So I called her up and I said, it's time. Go ahead and go buy an RV. I want you to go buy an F-350, and I want you to rent out our house. Okay. And by God, she did all three. Just like that. Just within a week. Never, no questions asked, huh? She said, okay. um, We had talked about it, but you know, when it's go time, it's go time. Yep. And she literally had that house leased. She put an ad that night, Ronnie, at Mm -hmm. 6 p.m. It was leased by 9 p.m. Wow. Not only was it leased by 9 p.m., we had sold $5,000 worth of furniture in our house because <laughs> it was going into storage. And you know what storage units do to furniture. Yeah. So it was perfect. And we're like, well, that's obviously God. There's no other way yeah. that that yeah. would work out so perfectly. Yeah. Next day, RV gets secured. Three days later, the F-350 gets secured. So here I am ready to come home and, and move out of my house now. So yeah. I'm working. You can't leave. That was the rule for being an adjuster. If you left, you were considered a wall. It's very similar to the military. Okay. If they couldn't rely on you, you didn't get paid. Wow. So I did sneak off. I snuck off. I snuck off home for three days. My best friend was getting married. He had a bachelor party that weekend. So I took care of him. Yeah. I moved out of my house. I moved in this RV and I drove it back to New Jersey. It was a 45 foot with Megan toy hauler with Megan, with the dogs and my kid with a crib in the back. 
Wow. So we just trucked up there. Knox is still one at this Knox time? Knox has just turned one at this okay. point. Okay, all right. So brand new family, and we're trying something totally different. Wow. So we get up there. We make it happen. We get adjusted. And we actually end up spending 48 solid months in that RV, bouncing all over the country from coast to coast, north to south, seeing the sights. <laughs> Just experiencing all these wonderful places. It's so cool. It really was, man. And it was at a time in our life, being such a young family, it was kind of nice because you can get caught up in the day-to-day. Every weekend, you got to be at, at somebody's birthday party or or a game or somewhere else. But when you're on the road, yeah, you don't have that anymore. Well, and Knox is old enough to where, or not, not old enough, I guess, at that point to where he's involved in all the kids' activities. Exactly. You know, that was a perfect time to do it. Exactly. But even Megan. Megan went through... Um, you know, the thoughts of, of not having her friends available to her. Sure. So she started joining an organization called MOPS, and that was a national organization. What mothers, is that? Mothers of something, something. I wish okay. I could remember. But That's basically, okay. it was small groups of mothers, and they were all over the country. There was this organization. So she could click in wherever this was. But it's M-O-P's and Paul M-O-P-S. M-O-P-S. Okay. Yep, MOPS. Okay. And she, she did that for a few years, and that gave her some outings, and she could be around other children, and, and it worked well for them while I was able to work. Wow. So once again, I wouldn't have been able I, – I couldn't imagine being away from my family for what's required to do this job. Yeah. So if, without her being willing to jump on the road with me, I can't say that I could have ever lasted as long as I did. Oh, yeah. So it did come down to whenever Knox was about was, – he was turning five years old. We knew school was coming. Yeah. So we went ahead and came home. We bought some acreage. Yep. Went ahead and built the house. And I the said, house that I know that you're the in now? The house that I'm okay. in now, correct. Okay. And I said, Megan, here you are. This is, this is for you. Wow. So she, uh, she's, she's got her house. Everything's good. <laughs> she sure does. <laughs> and the next year I go back on the road. Oh, you did? I did. Okay. I did. I was on the road nine months that year. And nine months with a, you know, six-year-old. How and, often are you home during those nine months? Uh, I would come home every three weeks for sometimes anywhere from three days to a week. Now, that had to have been tough. It was tough. It was always great coming Probably home. harder for her. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was just as hard for I was just, I think about when I travel for Heartland Waterfowl at a week at a time, you know, and having, leaving a wife with three kids and how difficult that is because of all the responsibilities and going all these different directions. But I, I'm sure you're just like me. It, it's hard whenever you're leaving because you're thinking about them and you're, yeah. you're loving on them and all those things. But, yeah. but the minute you get your head back in the game and you're working, it's grind. It's tunnel vision. That's and it's it. let's get the work done yep. so we can get back to them. Sure. That's, and that's how I treated it. So we did that for after that year. We did it another year. And she was kind of over it at that point, you know, and I don't blame her. I mean, yeah. I would show up, be home for three days for all the fun, and then poof, gone for three weeks. Wow. And she had to figure it out every day. So, um, But she sees the money, right? She, she does. Sees, she does. Know. Was and, there any conversation? So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like <clears throat> we talked earlier about this opportunity allowing you to have the capital to buy Dells. Um, was there any premeditated conversation of like, okay, this is the goal. I'm going to do this for as Absolutely. much time or until we bank this much money. And at that point, we're going to take that and reinvest it. To And so was she, was she holding out to get to the goal? So yes and no. We never truly had like an actual good, perfect game plan to execute. It was more like, let's try this. Let's see if it works. And then let's build off of it. Ride the wave as long as you can. Exactly. 
and and honestly, that first, you know, we were young. We never had money before. We didn't know what it was like, so we blew mm-hmm. a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, nice restaurants, fancy yeah. stuff, going places. Yeah. But we got to enjoy ourselves at a very young age. Sure. And then we got smart, and we realized that hey, if we went out of this vicious mm-hmm. trap that we're in, we're gonna have to do some things differently. Was so, there anything bad that happened? Or and I don't know. I'm just yeah, asking because there's times when it takes somebody to make a lot of money and something bad to happen for them to get smart. Were you? Did you have anything bad that happened? That said, okay, maybe we need to reevaluate this, or was it just simply like maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit? Uh, you know what? The hardest part for me was was being when you're single, you only have the responsibility of yourself. When you have a family, especially yes. a young one, yes. now you have to provide for. More folks. Yeah. Which, in lack of a better term, equates to a hole in your pocket. Mm-hmm. So you can try to shove as much money in that pocket as you want, but sooner or later it leaks out. Yeah. So my goal was to try to fill that pocket before it could leak out as quickly as possible. Some months that was great. Some months not so good. Yeah. But we tried it and kept doing it and okay. kept doing it. And I kept getting better and I would get faster and... I became one of the most elite people doing what I was doing. Yeah. So whenever we'd have a catastrophe, I was one of the first phone calls made. Mm-hmm. They would hand me a healthy workload. And I, instead of me calling them, asking them a million questions, I would take that workload, yeah. go process it and hand it back. Sure. So they, they liked what I was doing. And I say they, I mean these firms and relationships that I had yeah. in the industry. So we did that for right around six years before Megan was like, it's time for a change. Yeah. Let's do. But going back, you talked about, you didn't have money before. And so you didn't know you were spending it, you know, frivolously on all these different things until you realized you got smart. What was it? What did it take for you to get smart? It was knowing that I had to get out of what I was doing. Okay. It was when it was time. So you didn't have a bad moment that made me go, there, Oh, there was no bad moment. Okay. I mean, I, I remember one time, I think the IRS did seize 10 grand out of my account one day. Oh yeah. Th- you know, for anybody a- that hasn't experienced that, it's not pleasurable. That, nope. No, especially when, opener. yeah. And you need the 10 grand. Like <laughs> I plan on paying bills with that 10 grand, <laughs> Yeah, but that's honestly what happened. So that, that was, that was the first year or second year into it. So we didn't, we didn't even, that was, a, that was literally a, a speed bump. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the situation. Okay. But it wasn't until year six. I mean, I was serious from year probably three on. But year six is when Megan was kind of getting wound up and Mm. and kind of fed up. And like I said, I I can understand that. Sure. So we went through that process that year of, you know, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make this my last year. And I... I hope it works out. And so that's when the eyeball, then that's when you start scouting out for opportunities. Exactly. Okay. Well, we actually had a few hurricanes that year. And in the insurance world, that's, when you have multiple events, there's only so many, so much staff that can, yep. that can go. Where, Makes sense. So, of course, the highest bidder gets my attention. And we were able to leverage that for a substantial payout after those storms. And in doing so, that was the fall of, 2017 and finally I found I I figured out that I was at the point where I could make a move so I came home immediately from those events and I started just searching the market I went through every business broker in town I knocked on every door really turned over every stone 
I was looking for any opportunity that made sense. That and I and you're saying anything, not anything. just something specific to not, automobiles, because that was kind of your background. Nope. Obviously, Dell's I was, was open-minded. And the reason I was open-minded is because I felt like no matter what I stepped into, I felt like I, I would have the drive to carry it forward. So we looked at every business underneath the sun, and we f- it, was, it was literally January. I started this in probably beginning of October. And when I say every day, Ronnie, I mean every day I was pushing this, this pencil, trying to figure out these opportunities, meeting with people, meeting with banks, meeting with people, meeting with just everything. So how are you really, I mean, you said, were you literally going door to knocking on doors? I mean, and how, what is, how does that conversation look? Like, hey, I'm looking to buy a business. Are you looking to sell? I mean, I wasn't necessarily doing that, but I was soliciting. I was, I was anybody who had a business, I, w- I would draft a letter to. And I would literally just write it and be like, hey, I, I know you probably don't have any interest, but if you do, down the road, give me a call. Okay. So business brokers, I literally went to every single broker. I met with them personally. I met with their bosses personally. We went through their portfolio, same deal. I've had, I had people try to talk me out of certain businesses, push me into others, all these different things. So finally in January, I saw this this ad come up and it said for a power sports dealership in Jackson County. And I thought to myself, well, I live in Jackson County. Yeah. Perfect. You know, so. Oh, so you weren't even specific to Kansas city. You were looking even outside of that. Oh, I was ready to relocate. Okay. I mean, for real. I mean, wow. it was just to that point. Wow. But I, it was either that or go to corporate America. Yeah. And yeah. I just didn't want, I had a job offer in corporate America for a quarter million dollars a year. Wow. And it was just nothing that, that I was ready to, to jump off on. But yeah. regardless, so Dell's came up, and I was able to figure out that it was Dell's. And we went through the whole process. And it was honestly, here's what's funny. It was, I, was, I had two companies I was really looking at at the end. And one was an envelope company. Hmm. And then one was a power sports company. So <laughs> not even, not even close. Yeah. Not even close. But... The envelope company had promised because Amazon was getting big. They were coming to Kansas City. I hadn't, my thoughts were if I could partner with them, yeah, you know, we'll make that happen. Power Sports, I honestly didn't know how that would go. So I looked at their books, reviewed their numbers, met with the ownership, um, learned their story, learned that they had been in business since 1959, uh, learned about the previous Dell himself, what that looked like, his how his his wife and son took it over after he passed, mm. and then the, the gentleman I bought it from was actually the third owner, Mark Riggins. Okay, so and he was seventy five, getting out of the business. He was driving to Topeka every day, back and forth because that's where he lived. That's where he lived. Three right. hours a day commute. But and how long did he own the business? You said? He owned it a decade. Okay, he owned it a decade. So when I came in, it was um, it was a for, for those of you that that know of Dell's it was a uh, it was a smaller dealership it was yeah. a Honda Kawasaki mm-hmm. dealership and we um we took in we t- we took it and we just started to kind of blow the dust off of it to be honest Ronnie we just kind of took one piece at a time mm-hmm. looked at what we had blew the dust off of it and then maybe revamped that piece and we've slowly done that over and over and over again throughout that business. So you didn't really have the initiative to scale from a inventory or vendor standpoint as much as you were to like, hey, let's clean up our own backyard first. Yes. And then let's begin- see what we really got. Yeah. Let's see what's laying here. Yeah. Because when you think about a 50 year old dealership, almost 60 years at that point, 
there was a lot of skeletons in the closet. There was mm-hmm. a lot of old parts, old old junk, old yeah. stuff that just had to be flushed out. I had just written a check, the biggest check of my life. Well, thanks to the bank, but yeah, for this business, and I was spending like a thousand bucks on a junky ass old desk. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was <laughs> flabbergasted. It's something you wouldn't buy at a garage sale for twenty five dollars, right? But that's the way business works, and I didn't know that. But I know it now. Yep. So would you we, have done anything different knowing that now? No, no. I, I, I've, I, the education was part of the journey. Sure. You know, and it still is. To but this I day. guess what I'm trying to say is, if you went to now having you having gone through that process of buying a business, hypothetically, if you were to go buy another business, let's say, and having that education and that experience, what did you take away from that that would allow you to do things differently this time, the next time? Um. I'm going to know how to negotiate much, much better. Okay. It's just the reality. So you paid more than you wanted. You should I, have paid for it. No, not necessarily either. He was okay. high in some other areas and low in some others. He, okay. It was, the value was there, but maybe not how it was on paper, gotcha. if that makes sense. Okay. So the paper matters because of the banks involved. Right. But the value is really, what's this, what can we do with this thing? Mm-hmm. And in doing so, that's so after we blew off the dust and we kind of went through these corners and started bringing stuff out and kind of freeing those things up, we were able to actually do exactly what you said, increase our inventory levels, try something a little different, try a new product, Mm -hmm. because now we had the room for it. So in doing that, then COVID hit. Mm. (laughs) So I, I closed on this business in January, January 16th of 2019. COVID was what? March of March 2020. 2020. Yep. Trust me. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I was so, it was just my first year in, I was petrified that whole first year. I mean, I, I think you, you have to be scared if you're not, then you're, you're doing it wrong. Yep. Um, but we bounced that whole year. Then COVID hit and I was like, Oh, this is it. Here we go. You know, every, all those roofs I'd climb, everything I'd done up to this point, mm-hmm. it's out of my control. And yep. I, I, I thought, I thought I was a victim. Oh yeah. I think, I think kind of everybody did though for a second. I think, I think being told that we had to shut down and all those things, we all just kind of felt victimized, Yep. but what man, was I wrong? So we, uh, we, we did what we thought was right. And we, uh, we did furlough a few people and we tried to reduce staffing and, and tried to tried to stretch out the almighty dollar yep. to make sure we could pay bills and keep this baby afloat. I mean, it had mm-hmm. been open since 1959. I didn't want it to die right. because of this situation. So the two weeks went by and, um, the phones, the phones started ringing, but they weren't ringing like a normal pace. They were actually ringing at a pretty intense level. Government's hanging, handing out free money. People uh-huh. want to buy some things. Yep. Yep, and it turns out we had the one thing that people wanted, which was to get out, get away, get mm. off the road, get away from other folks, be by themselves. Wow. We had the vehicles to do it with. So it turned in from us not being able to open our showroom to us selling units. On We had a tent out front of our dealership. Doors were locked, but we had a tent out front. We had a finance guy sitting in the tent. We had my business manager out there. We had my sales manager out there. I love this. I love this. And we were literally, we would have, on a Saturday, we'd have trucks lined up all the way up the parking lot, and one after the other. We'd do the deal. We'd load them up. We'd shake their hand. We'd send them out on their way. We did that for two, three months straight. Wow. Luckily, we had bought the inventory just prior to that, though, because that was the other thing is yeah. 
is you had to have it to sell it. Yep. And we were a big discounter, so people were coming to us from all over the country. And uh, it was the exact opposite of what we thought was going to happen that first yeah. two weeks of COVID. And there was no forecasting of that. Like, there wasn't like, you hey, you know. Forecast no, it. I mean, there was nothing about that entire period that you could, like, I was beating myself up for the longest time as a business development guy that wasn't able to forecast. Not that I was, no one's going to be able to forecast a pandemic, but I was, I guess, beating myself up because I put all of my eggs in one hospitality basket. Sure. You know, and like, oh, well, there's a global pandemic. There'll never be an opportunity for all business to be shut down. That's not how my, my career is going to end if that ever comes to it. Yeah, end. but you didn't know that. And, no. and nobody else did either. Well, I guess what I'm ultimately saying is, is that you were freaking out naturally. Yes. And you're thinking business is going to be shut down. No one's going to buy inventory. No one's going to come to the store because we can't have the store open. And then the phone starts ringing. And so it's really by coincidence or accident that you really got a new breath of fresh air. Yeah. No, you know, for, it was like, oh, well, maybe. Oh, I see what's going on. I see a trend here. I see that people want to be outside. They want to be active. They have to be with their families and not be at work or anywhere. Then they want to be active doing something outside. And we have the vehicle to do it. Yep. And they didn't care. Yeah, they just wanted it. They wanted it, and the government's giving them money to buy it for sure, for <laughs> sure. But they, at that same point, Ronnie, we didn't know if this would literally kill us all. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we were hoping it wouldn't, right? But people literally had that attitude, like hell and with it. If it's, it's going to take me out, I'm going to. I go- might as well have a great time. Yep, yep. And you know what? I high fived them the whole way because I didn't know either. Sure, well, <laughs> so, nobody did. Yeah, that's incredible. It wow. was, but what came with that is the people that did get furloughed. Crime increased. So I started, oh, yeah. I started becoming a victim of robbery. Yeah, that happened, what, two times? I, three times. Three times. I got robbed three times. And it was all, the first one was in, was in April of, of 2020. That, of 2020. And then they were spaced out three months and then another three months. So within six months, I had been hit three How many times. units did you lose during that time? Because we're not talking like somebody broke into the store and, and broke into the vault. Yeah. Like, we're talking like no, they were like stealing units machines. off the lot. Like, the first time, they got about $175,000 worth of inventory. Wow. So it was enough to ring my bell and make me hurt. Yeah. And as you know, as a, as, a, as a new business or as a coming in business, my insurance was reasonable. Not anymore. Yeah. It still isn't reasonable. <laughs> sure. Still isn't reasonable. But that, that stung, and then followed by that, though, we had that second break-in, which got me for another three units. And I'm like, holy crap, I can't, you know, that mm-hmm. I, just, I can't do this. I, if my phone would ring in the middle of the night, and I would literally become ill. Yeah. Like, just immediately want to start vomiting. Like, yeah. if, if my phone made a beep, it was bad. So I, uh, I decided that I needed to do something different. I couldn't live underneath these conditions with Mm -hmm. this COVID and with these break-ins, it just, my facility was no longer meeting my needs. So I actually uh, had a meeting with my landlord and I went and discussed it. And um, he basically said that it was, it was not, there's nothing he could do for me. And I said, fair enough. And I shook his hand and went back to my store and went back to work as, as I should have done. Mm -hmm. And within a few hours, he called me and he said something about sunshine on a dog's ass, something, (laughs) something along those lines. Today's your lucky day. Basically. Yes. So I run back over there. George gave you that call. He did. He did. And he introduces me to his son Mm. and, uh, he shows me this lot that he's got available on the outskirts of I-70. In Grain Valley, Missouri. In Grain Valley, Missouri. Yes, sir. And I, uh, I 
you know, I'm, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, no way. That's, that's interstate 70 frontage. That would be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me think about it. And maybe you can put some numbers together and we can discuss it. And, um, we did, and we discussed it and it made sense for both of us. And we moved forward on that project. And that's why we now have Dell's power sports right off of yeah. uh, interstate 70 now in grain Valley. Brand new location as of what, about a year now? It's been one year. Yeah. Yeah. Went from an 11,000 square foot facility. We're currently at our primary building's 22 six. Mm-hmm. And then we've got an 8,500 square foot warehouse as well. Okay. So we got about 20 minutes left. So I want to, I want to go before we get into, first of all, let me just say this. Congratulations. Thank you. Because that, that building is beautiful and it is a night one, 180 degree difference from what you came from. I mean, it is just for real. Beautiful. Yes. Thank great, you. great location built perfectly. I mean, just everything about it is to a T. Um, I guess, I guess there's one thing that's been lingering in my head because you talked about when you were trying to find an opportunity to buy a business um, and you were having all these different discussions, how many meetings, how many books did you go through? When you talk about brokers and business owners and all the, did you ever come close on a couple, like real close and then last minute pull out or yep. like, so how many of those meetings really took place? I guess what I'm asking is how many times did it get that close before you didn't do it and ended up with Dell's? So we actually, uh, and I, I didn't mention this, but I did while I was running, while I, while I had my auto career, I yeah. did own cricket stores. Oh, I did not so know. Okay. The, the cellular, that. okay. The cellular yeah. stores. Yeah, that's that kind of a big, in, you, you left out a big piece there. I did. I did, <laughs> but it was a blip. Okay. It was a blip on the radar. I only held them for about a year. And mm-hmm. the reason being is that every time I found a way to make money, Cricket found a way to take it. Yeah. So I wanted out of that as quick as Franchises. I got into it. And that's why I then went to property adjusting where I was mm-hmm. working for myself and no one could could hold me accountable. Other than sure, me. Sure. I had some low level employees that were stealing from me. Mm. It just wasn't a very pleasant experience, but it did give me more education to fuel what I'm doing yeah. now. So, but how many of those, when you were, before you bought Dell's, you had several, you talked about having several opportunities that, different. How many meetings did you have that got close to being a resolved done deal before you said, no, that's not it. Or whatever reason it didn't happen. And you ended up with Dell's. So there was probably only two other instances okay. that I, I, I ran into that, but, but in purchasing Dell's, I'll tell you this too, is I, I had, before I had even, it took me five banks Wow. I, I pissed off four banks before a fifth one would actually. How could you be pissing off the bank? Uh, my first one, I didn't, I didn't know what my expectations should be, and they were a little too high. Mm. You know, and the second one didn't like the business and thought that I should be doing something else, and so I was pushing back on that. So they all had their own little antidotes that, that they were looking for before I found a relationship that was good for me. Okay. But what I'm getting at is I was told no four times. Okay. Before I was told a yes. No doesn't mean never, just means not right now. 100%. 100%. Wow. Okay, so you got Dells um and you've got the new location in Grain Valley and then somewhere in the process as this business is beginning to scale, you come up with the idea or maybe somebody does. I'd love to hear the story of how Dells House of Speed comes to fruition. Okay. Okay. So uh, a friend of mine, when we bought Dell's, we had this gentleman come in. His name is Chad Newman. And we knew of him and uh, he had a history. He owned Area 51 in Bates City, Missouri. Okay. And he had done 
quite a bit of high-end stuff. He worked for a company called Sierra Race Cars. Um, he ha- he holds he holds a couple world records. One of them is for an ATV hill climb at um, Pikes Peak. So Whoa. he's his his record is he was he helped build the motor for the fastest hill climb at Pikes Peak, which is a pretty big deal. He's done the Bonneville Salt Flats several times, which is the high-speed, top-end stuff. He's done the Baja 1000, which is in Mexico, nine or ten times. He's pretty much done it all. He's done it all. So he had a had pretty wide knowledge of it. And he came into this shop when I first bought it, and he kept trying to get me to go to Baja and ride dirt bikes with him. And I was like, you know what, Chad? I just, I'd, I'd love to, but right now I got this going on, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. like, well, just think about it. And anyways, we became friends over the course of time, and... When I moved Dells, we had rented that warehouse across the street, and I was looking at ways that we could turn a dollar out of that warehouse. And I thought about a few things, and I reached out to Chad, and I mentioned just, you know, what about a performance shop in in, in this area? You have the skills, you have the abilities, but but what about bringing that to this market? And we met two or three times, and we kind of laid out some ideas, and he kind of let me know what his boundaries were and my boundaries, and I explained my boundaries mm-hmm. and so on. And uh, we decided that we would give it a run. And so far, it's been a really good deal for us. It's, okay. So it's, that's how it all started, was uh, collaborating, collaborating with somebody else who knew that space better than you yep. did. And it's not my space. It's his space fully. Okay. But my my dealership is a great um What's the word I'm looking for? It's a compliment. Compliment to, yeah. to that business. Sure. And in doing so, now I can have unique products as well. Yeah. So like, for instance. So you don't own that business? I do. You do own the, it's, so what's the dynamic of that then? He's he's considered a partner okay. in that business, okay. but it's it's my business. But it's branded under the Dell's it name. Is. It is. And another, you own the building? I, I do not own that building. Okay. That is, that's my, that's Drew's Diesel across the street. So okay. we're in the back okay. half of that building. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow, that's so cool. All right, so because we are limited on time, and I, these podcasts, I don't know how many you've listened to, but some of them will go to three hours, and this one's probably going to be just over an hour. But I got to pick up my daughter from school. so No worries, Ronnie. <laughs> We're on some time constraints, but maybe this is an opportunity where we can bring you back again and, and, and dive into um, more authentic entrepreneurial uh, discussion. Speaking of entrepreneurship, um, this is where this conversation kind of comes full circle because I am not only super excited, but super grateful of our friendship and the relationship that we have, because it has allowed us to partner together beyond Heartland Waterfowl and what Heartland Waterfowl does on the Honda side with Dell's power sports. As I mentioned and alluded to earlier during my transition through all the COVID crap, um, started a business as a complement to the cleaning business that I was involved with. And then when I parted ways with the cleaning business started, I, I took full ownership of the chemicals business, which then got rebranded to Dumar Solutions. It looks like Dumare and you spell it out, but it's actually pronounced Dumar. And so you and I had had several conversations because that's what we do. You know, hey, how's business? What are you doing? And then we bounce ideas off of each other, and then maybe we make suggestions to one another. Sure. And then an oper- I think I was actually hitting you up because you have a service department at Dell's that does, you know, has a, you need chemicals for all kinds of, whether it's brake clean or whatever it might be, antifreeze, you know, we can provide that. And through that process, you came to me and said, do you have something that resembles this? 
And I don't know how you want to go into that conversation, but uh, over the last year, you and I have been able to work together to customize and formulate a particular product that really, I mean, it's, it's comparable to other things on the market, but it stands out on its own. Oh, for sure. For sure. So we, uh, whenever we talked, you know, I, I took uh, inventory of what was going on in, in my store and I looked at what was on the shelf and I, I looked at what Ronnie was doing mm-hmm. and I wanted to find something where I felt we could compete and compete sooner than later. Yeah. So in doing so, I knew there was a, there was a place for us in the cleaning and protecting of side-by-sides market. Um, that market is a massive one. It grows every day and it's, it's a product that people need because of what the machines do. So basically, um, we were able to formulate a cleaner that will polish, shine and protect your machine, but it does it in a way that it, there's no aerosol. So it will not dry out the Show that to the camera. Show that to the camera. So there it is, folks. That is called clean, absolutely flawless. From a distance, it might read as something different to your it head. It does but look you're, like a play on words, but hey, <laughs> hey, it works. I'm sure it'll get your attention. Hey, that's the idea is that, that it gets is, your attention. So clean is. AF, clean, absolutely flawless. And so this was something that didn't happen overnight. And, we, and we're still tweaking it and not, not necessarily the juice. We're tweaking the aesthetics of it, you know, as far as labels, sprayer, bottle, blah, blah, blah. But um, we've, we're, we're really, really close. And it's now out. It's at Dell's. You guys have it. Is it... I, I was looking on the website, but I didn't have a lot of time to look. Do you have it on the website yet? So actually, we just were launching the the uh, actual official clean, absolutely flawless dot com website today. Oh, no kidding! That's happening right now while I'm here. Wow! So by the time the podcast comes out, it might uh, you should be able to buy it. You should be able to get it. Fantastic! Absolutely. So, um, I pulled up some copy on this. So it, first of all, some of the competitors out there, I would just say that they come in an aerosol. And when you think you're getting a 20 ounce can of this competitive product, thank you. Um, 40% of that is propane. Correct. And you're only getting 12% juice in that particular can. And there's 14% silicone in all of the other competitors. Where in this, you're getting 100% juice and a trigger spray that gets you a more even application as opposed to a blotchy application with an aerosol. And it's 25% silicone in this particular bottle. Yes. And you get more product. That's it. That's the whole, yeah, exactly. So, um, it's, it works on plastic, vinyl, rubber, carbon fiber. Um, it brings a brilliant sheen to your pro to your side by side. I mean, it's not only side by sides, really. I mean, you can use it on dirt bikes. And the thing I love about it, you know, like people, when I talk to them about it, like, they're like, well, you know, like you and I would have a conversation. Hey, so what's new? And people are asking me, I was like, well, you know, I just got this new, really cool thing done with Dell's Power Sports. And they're like, what is it? And I try to explain it to them. And they're like, mm, not really tracking. I'm like, and this is a, probably a bad way to explain it. But I was like, you know, like what you use armor all in your car. Well, think of something that's not really armor all, but it kind of does the same thing. For a side-by-side. Clean, shines, and protects. That's it. Clean, shines, and protects. And so we're really, really excited about this product. What does it retail for? This bottle right here retails for $13.75. Okay. Which is very competitively priced. It's um, actually a dollar cheaper than the competitor. There you go. A dollar cheaper, you get, um, well, see, that's a 16-ounce bottle, right? So you're already getting, what did I say, 12 ounces in, in the other can. 
Um, so you're already getting more, what, four or more ounces in this, and you're getting 11% more silicone than you are in the competitor, and you're getting a more even application when you use the trigger spray. So we're really excited about this. And they can come to the store to get it, or they can come to the website. They, they're Dell's, is there going to be anything on Dell's Power Sports, or what is the actual website going to be? There will, but as of right now, it's going to be cleanabsolutelyflawless.com. As it's written out? Or as d- it's written out. Okay, clean. I did try to get the clean AF but that has been spoken for and I can't get that guy to sell me the domain. (laughs) I tried. If you're listening, call me. Let's put a deal together. It makes sense for both of us. Um, So it's going to retail, but this is something that you're looking to scale this beyond just selling it out of your store. hundred percent. Yeah. Because this is something above and beyond any of the competition and any power sports. That's what my lunch meeting was for, Ronnie. Is that right? Nice. So he had a lunch meeting before he came over here to do the podcast. Well, I am thrilled to death, and this thing is just going to get better, this whole clean AF product line. I mean, this is just the beginning, and I think that you and I are excited of where it can go with other opportunities and other chemicals and products that um, we can generate down the road. So uh, you got a really cool story, man, and and I know that it probably wasn't fun to you for you to you know bring up some of your past and you know, some of those moments and, and especially, you know, the way you were raised in, in dealing with your stepdad and stuff like that. But I love that when people are vulnerable and they talk about those bad times because it makes them who they are to bring them where they are today. 100%, Ronnie. That was really cool, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, brother. That's going to do it for the Papa Ron Podcast, episode 17. Actually, you know what? I've been, we've been talking so much, I didn't even take any breaks. So I, I'm not even officially able to wrap this up the way that I wanted to. Here we go. I got so lost in the conversation, I wasn't prepared. (laughs) That's episode 17. I want to thank uh, Marathon Media Management for being a huge influence and um, inspiration for me to do this podcast. Also, Rick Hunter, Rich Donovan for doing the imaging elements for the show. Thank you for watching or listening to episode 17 of the Papa Ron Podcast. You've been listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe now and tell your friends on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and other social platforms. To participate on the show, leave a message with your comments or questions by calling or texting 816-558-6389. That's 816-558-6389. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. Papa Ron Podcast.